He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. I am the resurrection. I'm telling you the resurrection confirms that Jesus was who he claimed to be. He himself foretold of his resurrection. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 21, when he had asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? After they answered that, he began to tell them as they went on their way. He said, I got to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. I tell you, he testified himself that he was going to be raised. He, because he was raised from the grave, he, he was confirmed that he was who he said he was. The Old Testament scriptures demand his resurrection take place according to Psalms chapter 16 and verse 10. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol or hell, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Why? Because he's going to raise him from the dead. He's not going to leave him in that place. He it validated his power. The resurrection validated his power over sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 17. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is empty, and you are still in your sins. He was the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. The cross, all the suffering, all the shedding of the blood, all the pain, the beating would have been for nothing. And you and I would still be looking for a Savior to come if he had not come out of that grave. But I'm telling you, on the third day, he came out just like he said he would, just like he predicted he would, and proclaimed and validated his claim over in, over in power over sin so that now he can save you to the uttermost. It's amazing. We celebrate this in history, but if you'll go back to Passover, when, when uh, we're actually this, this, this scenario of the Lamb of God was first put into place, when they was coming out of Egypt, the men were told, I want you to take a lamb. I want you to go to, the, go to the sheepfold. I want you to select a lamb, and I want you to put him up for four days. They didn't select the lamb and go kill him. They selected a lamb. They, they were supposed to put him up for four days. What were they doing for, the, for those four days? They was inspecting that lamb because the lamb that was supposed to be shed, the one that was supposed to be killed, was supposed to be without spot or blemish. Jesus rides into Jerusalem and on, on, on his triumphant entry on Sunday. For four days, they grill him in the temple, and he answers all kinds of questions. And then finally, at his judgment hall, the, 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 the process and the judgment was made. I find no what? Fault in him. He was the faultless Lamb of God. They had questioned him. They had, they had tortured him, but they found no fault in him. And they took the Lamb of God and they put him on a tree. But three days later, he did what all the other lambs could do. He came out of the tomb. And because he came out of the tomb, he can save you from your sins. He's alive and I'm forgiven. I don't have to look for another one to come, but he has come. The resurrection confirms Christ's power over death, according to Romans chapter 6 and verse 9. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. Now that may not mean anything to the skeptic, 
That may not mean anything to the unbeliever, but to you and I, it means everything. Because when our turn comes to go, and it will because he has power over death, death may lay claim to your physical body, but your spirit and soul is going to go be with the Lord. Amen? I'm telling you, at the graveside, the greatest thing you can tell the friends that are there that are left is that person that's laying there, yes, their house, their, their, their body that is there that has their spirit and soul, yes, it is there. But I'm telling you, that spirit and soul is alive and it is in the presence of God. Why? Because, because of his resurrection, he, he showed his power over death. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 21 just simply says this. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. Verse 22 says it this way, for as in Adam all die, that's our natural birth, okay? So even so in Christ we shall all be made alive. Oh my Jesus. Check verse 49 out. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. What a glorious future awaits us. As we have borne the image of the flesh and the earthly, when we see him, we shall be like him. When that body comes out of that grave that is laid there for whatever and however length of time, it's not going to rise out of that grave in the same form that it was planted, but it's going to come out a glorious body. I'm, not, I'm telling you, it's going to be in an incorruptible body, and it's going to be made in the fashion of the, of the heavenly. It is what a glorious future you and I have. The resurrection confirms his power over death, but also his victory over the devil. Notice Colossians chapter 2. In verse 15, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it, talking about the cross. At the cross, I'm telling you that, that he died there and he won a great victory, but he didn't stop there. Notice Revelation chapter 1 and verse 18. I'm telling you the rest of the story, okay? Here's the rest of the story. I am he who lives. I was dead. <laughs> and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen? You agree with that? And I have the keys. I have authority over Hades and of death. I'm here. I have the keys. I have the authority. He had not only conquered sin, he conquered death. He, he destroyed the power of the enemy. He has authority over them. And when we stand at the great side of our loved ones, you do not have to fear don't allow your mind to be tormented. I'm telling you, God has control of the situation. And the empty tomb proves it. <laughs> because of the resurrection, you can be assured of three things. I want you to pay close attention to these. Because of the resurrection, you can be assured of three things. Number one, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. Because of the resurrection, you can rest assured. The angel said and told the people when he ascended into heaven, he said, you men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing? There's watching him go up into the heavens. And the angels spoke to him from heaven, descended and said, why do you stand here gazing? This same Jesus, now that's important. Not another one. A lot of people, you know, they, they have a, 
a lot of different kind of Jesus. He said, this same Jesus shall come again in like manner as you have seen him go. He said, I'm coming again. In John chapter 14, we don't have it on our scriptures. So you guys hang easy. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in my Father's house or many mansions. If we weren't, if we weren't sure, I wouldn't have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I shall come again and receive you unto myself. I'm telling you, he's coming again. And the resurrection is proof that he can do what he said. Because of the empty tomb, I'm telling you, it could be today that he's coming. The resurrection is proof of, and, and gives you assurance of three things. He said, I am coming back. If I go away, I will come back and receive you. Something is about to change. I just finished reading John Hagee's book. How many has got the book, Four Blood Moons? Uh, I just finished reading that. And uh, it, it's intriguing. Four Blood Moons in, in history... Uh, in the last 500 years, there's always, there's always been blood moons. Blood moon happens when the earth is between the sun and the moon, and the moon t turns red. The prophecy in the Scripture says, before the great notable day of the Lord, the moon will turn. There'll be signs in the heavens, and the moon will turn to blood. And every time this has happened, it, the, there's four, uh, uh, in history, there's been three times that there was four blood moons during the Jewish festivals. Now, there's been blood moons before, but there's only been three times that it's happened on Jewish festival holidays. For those of you that don't know about the Jewish festival holidays, they are enactments, are signs, are prophecies of things to come. And so these things have not happened on Jewish holidays. Very rare that it happens on Jewish feast days. The first uh, triad of four blood moons happened in 1492 and 1493. There was in two years four blood moons. In 1492, some of you think about Columbus discovering America, and yes, that was what happened, but how many has ever heard of the Spanish Inquisition? King Ferdinand and Isabella, all the Jewish people's land and property were confiscated in Spain. They were, they were kicked out of Spain, all the Jewish people. It was almost like the Nazis in reverse. They, they confiscated all their property, took all their money. Thousands and thousands and thousands of Jewish people were killed, run out of the country. Some thought that they, if they sold their place and turned it into gold and they swallowed the gold, at least they'd get away with their gold. But some of the, the Spanish people found out and some of the crooks found out that they were escaping with the gold in their stomach and thousands of them died having their stomach split open, people get, finding the gold inside of their stomach. So, so it was, it, it was, it was a, a terrible, terrible time. There was four blood moons during those high festival days in 1492. Here's the, and, and one thing that was intriguing, that even in something negative, God turns it out and makes something positive out of it. That, that the money they got from all those Jewish people, a large portion of that went to sponsor and to fund uh, the Columbus Finding America. And so they took God, used the money they confiscated from the Jews, and he, and he, and he sponsored, Queen Isabel sponsored uh, Columbus and then the three ships and gave them money and, and sponsored them. And that money they took from the Jews was what gave them the, the money and the, and the, to get to the new world. And now, what, what is so important about that? Because in America, there's many Jews in America as there is in Israel. Because they, God would know that the Jewish people needed a place 
of safety. And so he took and used the money that was robbed from them to give them a place to go. That's pretty, pretty interesting, 1492 and 93. The next set of four blood moons that happened on one of the, in the Israel's uh, feast holidays, spiritual holidays, was 1948 and 49. In 1948, after 1900 years of being scattered all over the world, the Jewish nation was given a homeland. And by, by a decree from, the Briti, from, from Britain, they was given the land of Palestine as a, as a homeland. After 1,900 years of being scattered, there was a change. It, there was the signs of the heaven, the blood moon pointed of a great and tremendous change. The third time there was four blood moons on a high festival day of the Jewish feast was 1967. That was the day and the year of the Six-Day War and the conflict with all of the surrounding nations of Israel. And for the first time in 2,000 years, now Israel was back in the land in 1948, but she didn't control the city. The Jerusalem, the capital city of Israel, was not controlled by, by Israel. But in 1967, when she defeated her enemies, she gained control of the total city of Jerusalem for the first time in 2,000 years. Change. Great, tremendous change coming. This year, 2014-2015, two blood moons will happen this year. One happened the 14th, which was the day of the killing of the Passover lamb. 14th of this month. How many went out and saw the blood moon? About 2 o'clock was in its full stage, first one. I think the next blood moon will be in September, right? I think that's maybe the Feast of Tabernacles, if I'm right. Two blood moons. Signs in the heavens points to every time this happens on the Jewish feast holidays, major changes take place, major changes. But there's something unique about this one. Next year, on the festival, on the, on the holy festivals is a Sabbath year, which it's the, the rarity of that cannot be in numbers. Every seventh year was a Sabbath year for Israel. And for those blood moons to happen on a Sabbath year is, it, it, it is rare indeed. Will not happen again for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Major changes is fiction to take place in our world. These signs, all of these blood moons are signs for Israel. Something major takes place in this nation of, of Israel. Now, if Israel is being pointed toward a change, how many knows that God is looking at some changes for the church? Get ready. Get ready. I'm telling you, get ready. Change is on the way. I don't know. He, he's coming back. Because the tomb is empty. What he, said he, what he said is true, and he's coming back. And what we need to do is be awakened from our sleep to know that we are in the hour of the greatest. Now, listen, the greatest thing in history has taken place 2,000 years ago. But I'm telling you, there's another great thing fixing to take place in the not-too-distant future, and that's the disappearance of the church. Get ready. Get ready. Because of the resurrection, you can be assured of three things. Number one, Jesus is coming back again. 
And secondly, you can be assured that there will be a final and just judgment on people and the world. He came the first time as Savior. He came the first time as a lamb. He's coming the next time as a king. He's coming the next time as a lion from the tribe of Judah. You'll see him seated on the throne making intercession for us. But the next time this world sees him, he'll be sitting on the throne of judgment. And you can be assured that there'll be a final and just judgment on the people and the world. The scripture just simply says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Acts chapter 17 and verse 31 simply says this, because he, God, has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. And he has given assurance of this to all. How? By raising him from the dead. You can rest assured he's coming back. You can rest assured that he's going to come back as judge. All the atheists of the world will come before him. And they'll bow the knee. All the people who have claimed, the unbelievers who have just rejected him and kept him at arm distance, they're going to come. And they'll bow. The philosopher who has all the different theories and all the answers to why Christianity is all a hoax and all that stuff, they're going to come. And they will bow before him. Too late, but they will bow before him. The scripture says every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess him, Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Listen, something is about to change. Jesus is going to come, and judgment will come on the world. Russian President Putin is going to come, and he's going to bow. The Madeline O'Hares of the world is going to come, and they're going to bow. They're not going to escape. All the people who have denied him and rejected him and ignored him, not too bad to be saved, but just too busy, I'm telling you, get ready. He's coming. You can be assured he's coming. Number three, because of the resurrection, it validated the fact that God is going to have the last word. Because he lives it validates the fact that he is going to have the last word. Talk is, is America's favorite pastime, isn't it? Now, I've never seen so many talk radio shows in all my life. We have The View. We have Limbaugh. And we have Sean Hannity. And we have, man, we have all kinds of talk. Talk is America's pastime. We hear all kinds of opinion. And someone said opinions are cheap because everybody has one. God's going to have the last word. When he goes on the view, <laughs> boy, I'd like to see him on there tomorrow, wouldn't you? <laughs> I'm going to close by reading Psalms chapter 2. There's 12 verses. Stay with me. I'm going to read this. God is going to have the final word. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? 
The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away. Doesn't that sound like today? You're no longer a Christian nation. Let's do away with God. Let's take prayer out of our classrooms and take the Ten Commandments down out of our court system. We don't need God. Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. They're going to be in confusion. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. <laughs> now therefore be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. I'm telling you today, you want to be blessed, you put your trust in God. Don't you, let, don't you listen to those news reporters and all those people and all the atheists and all those people that said, you know, it's just a figment of somebody's imagination. God's good. One of these days, God is going to laugh at the nations of the world that have spit in his face. We can choose to ignore him. We can try to do away with him. We can even say he's dead. God's not dead. Come on, Seth. God's not dead. He's alive. He's coming. He's going to come as judge. And he's going to have the final say. The final word. Amen. He's alive. Father, I thank you for all the folks that showed up here today. There's a change coming. Signs in the heaven point to the fact that there is a change coming. Let us awake spiritually from our drowsiness let us awake from the distractions of the world let us awake to the fact that we are living in the last moments of time and because the tomb is empty validates the fact that what you said is absolutely true that you will come again and all across this building you are friends and you are neighbors, you are family, people we care about, people we love. And some of you here this morning probably maybe have not made a commitment to the Lord. Can I just be really honest with you as a friend today? Don't put it off. Don't put it off any longer. Time is running out. If you're here this morning and you're prodigal, you're away from God. You've been distracted by the world from your purpose in life. I'm telling you, I'm encouraging you as a friend, as a pastor, someone who cares for you. I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here, listen, to try to tell you the truth is, is the best I know how. 
to try to get you to make the best decision, the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And that's to accept Christ as your personal Savior. It's so important, not just for you, but for your family and for those that you are influencing, those that are following in your footsteps. They're following you. Today, while no one's looking around, if you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior, if Jesus would come today and you would not be ready, you acknowledge that fact today, and today you would like to accept Him as Savior. Did I see your hand across the building today? My eyes are going to be coming across the building. Just raise your hand right up, right up and right down. We're going to be praying in a few moments. But I want to know that you're honest with yourself. My eyes are coming across the building. Here's my hand, Pastor. Pray for me. I need to make things right today. Is there hands in the building? I need to make that decision, Pastor, right up and right down. Here's my hand. I'll wait for a moment. Then we're going to go. Change coming. Change coming. Here's my hand, Pastor. I need to make some changes. Right up, right down. Stand with me this morning. We're all going to pray. I want you to pray with me today. We'll never meet again just this way again. Never meet this way again. We're glad that you came our way. I want you to pray. Everybody's going to repeat this prayer with me. We'd like for you to join in. Say it and, and pray it in faith today. And we believe God's going to make a change in your heart. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and make me new. I receive you today as Lord and Savior of my life. Amen. God bless you guys. Appreciate you today for being here with us. Amen. Shake hands and be friendly. Okay. 